Hello and welcome to the All Blacks edition brought to you by Driving Mall. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, and we are going to be talking about all sorts of stuff this evening. We have got All Blacks uh, workloads, um, we've got the Black Ferns to chat about, um, a few bolters as well who may be making the World Cup, who knows. Um, but the men who will know are Steve and Ashwin. How are you doing, sirs? Yeah, not, not too bad at all, Paul. Once again, always a privilege and a pleasure to be on the TDM and... Uh, also great to have you back as well. Ah, well, yes. It's uh, um, I was obviously out on the town last night, um, or actually out on a different town entirely, and uh, on the road on the way back. But I have listened to the show from last night, and I do say, when I come back, it's going to have to be a lot less blues-centric. Um, I have to keep you guys uh, talking <laughs> about other things than just the blues. Um, there are Why? other teams in the world. I hope you do realise. Is, is there anything else? Yes. <laughs> what, what is he on about? Uh, is that an all black scarf you got on, by the way? A scarf? I've got an all black scarf. I was like, oh, hey, I forgot to go put my uh, <laughs> top on. I was like, oh, hey. And hey, there's this all black scarf behind me. And so it's like, oh, here we go. There all black we scarf. Go. So, as so, you know, yeah. folks, we are fans of the game. We are not your Justin Marshalls uh, and your TJs and all the other people who wear suits and stuff. No, we wear rugby jerseys and uh, and rugby scarves, apparently. But hey, it's a bit I wore a suit by one. You told me off. You'll, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll, you'll be wearing a rugby cravat next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me anyway um the reason i'm blabbing is because i've not got my notes up so um but i think uh the, the first topic of conversation was workloads have you guys got the um so a bit to yep. um to, to a tip of the hat for, for a change to stuff who have done actually a pretty good article which has got all the has got the number of games and the number of our uh, playing minutes for all the different players um which i was which, which i thought was pretty good so i thought we'd have a quick chat about that and which players had been uh Maybe overworked or underworked. Um, Ardi Surveyor, they're suggesting has been overworked. What? What are your? Have you uh, had a quick had a quick look at the list? Yeah, yeah, I did actually. Uh, um, and and, and spe- you know, Ardi Surveyor is obviously the one that um, the article, the items actually built around effectively, because he's played five games. He hasn't been subbed. He's played all all eighty minutes. Well, it'll be more than eighty minutes because we know. The, the the hooter goes and they carry on playing for another two usually, <laughs> so he's um he's done the uh, minimum of eighty minutes per game. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's that, that's the one that's an interesting one because it's um he's going to have to be either rested. Well, he's not going to be rested this weekend, and then they play the Highlanders the following weekend. So um he, he's got the possibility of going six games without having a rest. Uh, in saying that, then as, as alluded to in the article, he they have a bye after the Highlanders and the Sunwolves in Tokyo after that. So there might be some negotiating and horse trading going on with the All Blacks management on the Adi Savia front. I did notice that uh, Sam Whitelock is also averaging 80 minutes a game. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna play that gag too, but yeah. <laughs> tell, you, tell you what, tell you what, though, guys, Brody Retellix. Right up there as well. 70, 71 minutes a game on average, 426 minutes. So, he's, yeah, and, he's and up the miles as well. Yep, and that's that's where the um, uh, I think the Arty, uh, sorry, the Hurricanes are going to go with with Arty Severe because so what the Chiefs negotiated for Brody Retallick was after the um, Bulls game, he'd play the Bulls game. He wouldn't go to Argentina. He'd come home. And that means he gets that game off, and they've got a bye, I believe, after the Hagiwaris. So that means that he gets full, uh, gets two weeks off, as opposed to the one week off 
So I think that's the horse trading that they did, and I think that the Canes will use the same precedent that has been set to use legal parlance. Wow. Who is this Who is this guy? I was going to say, <laughs> legal stuff. Whoa. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. but, but on a funnier note on a funnier note I love that so I so I think most of our listeners would have heard or seen at some stage my son Aiden and it's just like it was a cup yesterday I think it was comes he, down he, the he hallway talks like, more sense than you do but anyway go on he's coming down the hallway and it's like Artie with the Artie severe run and, and Steve you know we've talked about it it's like the legs yeah. pumping and it's like he's doing I'm looked at I'm Artie Severe with the legs pumping away and I said to him hang on hang on you're forgetting the head because the head goes with the legs as well when Artie's running <laughs> I, I, I've just got to ask guys while we're talking about Artie Savar there was a there was an incident right at the end of the end of the game and obviously so there's a little bit of banter and to and throw that that goes on during a game but um did you, did you think it was a little bit over the top? Yeah, yes. I was a bit surprised. Yeah, the whistle goes, and that's when it's all supposed to stop. You step back, it stops. Uh, it's a bit and like yet. stepping over the white line. Uh, and what goes on the pitch stays on the pitch, that kind of stuff. And yeah, they did go on for a bit. Uh, they, 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 it did go on a bit longer than, than it needed to, didn't it? Yeah, yep. but listen, I, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine a McCaw getting involved in, in, in something like that, or even, dare I say, a Sam Kane. No, but a um, uh, a oh, I've gone blank as to the sevens player. Damn, uh, who's the, the Kurt Baker? Kurt, Kurt Baker. Baker, yeah, Kurt Baker would, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice product placement there, Steve. I saw that. Yeah, well, good it's funny placement. how you it's funny how you remember you remember things like that, eh? It, yeah. You know, players players behaviour tends to. Tends to tends to stay with you. Yeah, no, he doesn't mind dishing it out. I don't, not too sure if he's that great at taking it. Well, yeah. he'll get time to cool. Off. He'll get time to cool off and think about his actions. I think so. Um, probably after the uh, Highlanders game. The uh, yeah, he will get time to sit, sit down for two, as you say, for two weeks uh, and and have a bit of a rest from um, from that. Um, Tarongi, an interesting one. Uh, played every game, but hardly any minutes. <laughs> and one of the reasons I think behind the one of the things that was being mentioned was that the uh, the, the cancelled game between the Highlanders and the Crusaders was not going to be counted as a rest week for the All Blacks mm. players. Um, and the, the reason for that is that they prepared all week, and preparation and training also takes a toll on the body. When they get given a week off, it's not just about not turn, not playing that game. It's about what's going to Fiji. Um, it's, <laughs> it's about what they uh, going to Fiji and playing sevens is not a way of resting. Um, the um, but taking uh, th- that week off or, or, or having a lower load on training that week has an impact on the body as well. It's not just about the, the, the playing day; it's about the training hours as well. If we look at something like American football, for example, uh, their player agreement says that they're only allowed one contact training session a week. I think it is, or even less than that. So, uh, whereas a, a rugby hasn't advanced to that level yet of, uh, of of what is an allowable amount of contact training. Um, so, can we just back the track up there for a sec? You said that so NFL one contact session per week. Correct. Did you say? Yeah. Oh my god! I just got, sorry. I, I, the reason why that sort of shocked me. I've just come from my first under eights 
training, so it was pretty loose, was nothing too intense. But we're talking about one of the under eights teams, a restricted grade, so it's under thirty one kilos. They're going to be practicing twice a week at under eight level. And it's just like, say what? But anyway, I'm sorry, I digress on a total different matter. But I just, no, but yeah. that, 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 that is a good point. The, 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 it, it's, it's not just playing levels; it is training levels as well that matter. Um, but it depends. What are those two training sessions going to be? And if, if oh, they'll be hard out. We know the person. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> if, it's, if, if, if one of them is going to be a pure skills session, uh, and there's no tackling or anything like that, and it's just if they play touch the whole time, then that's not necessarily a bad idea. If they, if it's a fun session. Um, and at that age, it's got to be about fun sessions, hasn't it? It's not about uh, the other, mm. anything else. You know, one of the things we talked about yeah. was that at that age, it's about playing with your mates, uh, having enjoying the sessions, enjoying playing, whether it's training or a game. Uh, and if you're going to have, if if, if all the kids are enjoying it, then having two sessions a week is fine. But if it's if they're bashing the hell out of each other for two sessions, then that's wrong at that age. Definitely. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd actually, I'd like, <clears throat> I would like to think there'd be a real more of a focus in and around school. You know, maybe maybe tackling, get your head in the right, learning how to tackle, getting your head in the right place. You know, just simple things like like drawing and passing, looking for calling for support, things like that. If uh, if they're doing a couple of physical sessions, I'd, I'd be really concerned, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anywho, we digress quite severely. So back 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 to the minutes, I suppose. Back to- <laughs> um. And unfortunately, I can't. Uh, my uh, my laptop's refusing to bring up the the actual table of minutes per player. So, are there any others that jump out of you, boys? Um, yeah, look, obviously, well, Damien McKenzie. Go Sorry, on. Steve. You... I, I was I was going to say, if you if you pretty much look at look at the hookers, the three they've got the three All Black hookers. Dane Cole's obviously got the the heaviest workload, two hundred ninety four minutes. But we all know he's been away from rugby for <clears throat> from top level rugby for quite a while. But I know a guy who's, a, who's an ex-All Black, and he, he was an All Black, but he must have high minutes. It's, it's, I know he's not in the, the the frame, so to speak, for Rugby World Cup. Is James Parsons. I'm, he's um, I know he's played a heck of a lot of minutes. Um, so he's pretty pretty high up there. I'll quickly go through the the rest of the the props. Pretty much much of a muchness. Nepo Lalala has certainly put it put some time on the paddock, but then again, he's another one that's returned from. From injury as well, and as we look into the locks, of course. Oh, hang on, Steve. Hang on, Steve. Hang on, Steve. Before you before you go into the locks, um, what, what one concern that would be in reverse is the lack of minutes for Ofatunga Fussy. Um, he's he's played four games, but averaging only thirty six minutes per game, and yeah. um, you know, so so you're sort of starting to see there is the fact of reverse. He's probably not re- realistically. He's not having good quality time on the paddock. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I think that's probably more more a blue strategy. Absolutely. Than else. They, they, obviously, Absolutely. they obviously want some impact on the bench. You know, pre last week's, I won't mention the team, pre last week's game, there was a lot of talk about why um, the likes of uh, Tunukuyafi and Ofatuangi of Fussy were coming off the bench. But if you think if you think back to last week's game, boy, did they have a big impact when they did come on. You know, they came up with a couple of big scrums. Saw a couple of really weird things. If I recall, Carl Tundukuyafi going onto the the tight end side, but that did yeah, the tight end side. I found, I found that a, a little bit weird, so to speak. But you know, the, I think the real winner in terms of the props is Nepo Lalala. He's been strong, even if you think about some of the Chiefs' poor performances. I know when Paul and I did the the showdown in uh, Hamilton that particular game, they, they, the Chiefs still had a very very strong scrum, 
And I think Nepo Lala is one that's pretty much going from uh, from strength to strength. I'll, I'll cover off the, the locks as, Sorry, as well, no, guys. Before you do that, I'm going to segue in there and uh, just have a quick chat about the fact that I've that's, uh, just been booked for three games um, at Sky City. So uh, not this Friday, but next Friday, um, we will be uh, I, I'll, uh, there. Myself and John O'Connor um, are going to be doing the uh, the pre-game, half-time and full-time uh, match review there in the uh, Zone Sports Bar uh, the following Friday as well. Um, I'm just trying to remember, I'm just trying to literally just trying to bring up the uh, um, the games that I'm talking about. Um, and then the following Saturday, I think, Stephen, you're going to come down here for the, well, we'll, we'll see it, but um, for, for, for that game. So the over, not this weekend, but the following three weekends, um, Friday, Friday, then the Saturday. So um, come down and join us at the Zone Sports Bar in Sky City to uh, to watch those games and you can meet us. So those games will be um, the Crusaders versus the Highlanders, the Highlanders versus, sorry, the, the, sorry, the Hurricanes versus the Highlanders versus the Hurricanes. The Crusaders versus the Highlanders and the Highlanders versus the Blues. So um, join us in the Zone Sports Bar for that. I will uh, put that all over social media so you don't forget it. Sorry, locks. 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 Okay, here, here we go. Sorry, a little bit of a, a bit of a delay there. I, I do apologise. Yeah, Brody Retallick obviously stands out. Down at the most, four, 426 minutes. So he's playing about, on an average, 71 minutes. Now, that, I think that's probably the fact that he's he's um, he's probably, what is he, co-skipper, along with Sam, I would imagine, when Sam Kane returns, no, they'll share that wrong? I, I, absolutely. But I also think, like, in in terms of, like, with um, Dane Coles, um, Brady Retallick actually, um, over the last sort of wee while, has, hasn't had the time in the black jersey as like he's had in the past. So, you know, if he's getting a little bit more workload, I'm not too concerned about that. Yeah, well, you just get the impression he's a guy that absolutely strives on uh, on rugby. We've seen a, a pretty solid workload also from Scott Barrett going through to around about the, the, the 65th minute, but we've also seen him slot into that blindside flanker's position yeah, as well. Yeah, uh, he's the one player that at the moment is starting to raise alarm bells as to his workload, especially after the way that the Crusaders overworked Sam Whitelock last year. They don't have a great record of looking uh, of uh, around that space. So I think, yeah, Sam, de- yeah, definitely uh, uh, Scott, Barrett. Scott Barrett is someone I will be looking at and keeping an eye on to the number of the, the, the work minutes. He's, only done, he's, he's, doing, he's only played four games and he's doing he's averaging 65 minutes a game. So it's not too bad at the moment. Okay, yeah. maybe. All right. And Sam, Sam Whitelock, well, first game back against the, the, the Waratahs, probably not a memorable one. <laughs> yeah, but he, 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 he ended up playing out the, uh, the full full 80 minutes. And um, Ashwin, well, I'll, get, I'll let you get into the loose forwards. Oh, just before, I, I just want to sort of like touch on the locks. I sort of think, you know, one of the things, like for those four locks that we're lo- looking at there, um, they're all playing some good quality rugby, which is really encouraging at the moment. You, you look at, you know, even Patrick Pupilotto coming back in and um, getting some good, you know, when he comes on, he's making an impact. Scott Barrett's doing really well. Brody Retallick, obviously an engine, it, it just that keeps going and um, for the Chiefs. So I, I just look at those locks and I think, geez, it's great to see them all performing quite well. So, uh, yeah, happy days. Going into the loose forwards. Um, well, the aforementioned Adi Sevier really stands out. When, when you look at the table there, it's just like his 80 minutes, 
hundred minutes of rugby over five games. That's eight times eighty times five, four hundred. That's my math. I'm Asian. I'm good at it. Um, so yeah, it just it just stands out massively there. Um, you know, I, I suppose you look at a Fafita. You know, when you look at some of the names on this list, you're not too concerned because you're, you're doubting whether they're going to make it onto the plane anyway. Um, there were the a couple of zeros on there. There were a couple of zeros on the list from memory as well. A bit, but... Yeah, there are. There are. I mean, like Kieran Reed coming back is his first game this week, so you know um, that'll be obviously see how he goes, and uh, it'll be interesting to see him back on the paddock. And um, was it Elliot Dixon, Liam Squire. Oh, Liam Squire. No, no, that's right. Yeah. Liam Squire. Liam Squire zero. As I think we spoke about last week, was it? Or in Hash Rugby Chat or in the All Black Show, I can't remember which, but looking decidedly dodgy for Liam Squire with um, this injury. I think I Googled it and it was like about seven weeks out. Uh, so he's starting, uh, he, you know, at the end of the day, we know what's going to happen. He will get some time in, the, um, in our winter test matches, our reduced program, but he'll get some game time there. Um, but I'm sure he'll be concerned at the lack of game time that he's having at the moment. You got someone like Matt Todd, um, you know, obviously uh, I I think, yeah, he's played four games at 65 minutes each, but I think he's on the periphery of um, all black selection. You know, Dalton Papali'i, who's, um, he he spoke on TV this week and that, you know, personally for him, uh, he'd like to get some more minutes under his belt so that he can show his wares for the All Black selectors because he feels like he's not necessarily getting that opportunity to do that. So he's really wanting to shine at um, training, shine on the pitch, so that he can be a starting player as opposed to coming off the bench so he can show his wares. So, yeah, that's it. But, I mean, yeah, I think loose forwards, I mean, really, as I say, the one that stands out, Artie Severa at the old 400 minutes. Massive. I was going to say, guys, just in and around... Uh, Dalton Papali, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season who the Blues loose forward trio would have been, I would have had Gibson, Papali, and Akira Ioane as pretty much a, a lock-in for the loose forward trio. I think yep. probably, probably what's uh, hindered any extra game time is the fact that a big red-headed number six by the name of Tom Robinson yep. is going yep. going super well. And he's, he's cementing his place in the team because he's got a big engine. Yeah, and, we'll, I think and we'll, be, sim- uh, we'll be getting on to him, him later in the, in, in the show. Yeah. Um, well, but um, just, yeah, so uh, amongst the, the, the scrum halves, obviously uh, Triple T getting a little less workload than we expect. The other one's fine uh, amongst the... Um, so the workload, workloads for the halfbacks, um, not looking too bad. TJ Perinara at 66 minutes average, Aaron Smith at 64. He's going to have a bit of time off now anyway. He's got four weeks. They're looking about four to six weeks off for Aaron Smith, high ankle sprain. He's going to get some time on the sidelines and a bit more time in Fiji. Um, yeah, Tahurirangi is the uh, interesting one at 25 minutes. Now, when when you consider they're looking at him as the third halfback in, in the mix, uh, what we're all looking at as being as the third halfback in the mix, he's really not getting quality game time. You know, he's yep. getting 10 minutes off the... 25 minutes is the average, but the reality is, is it feels like he's getting 10 minutes, 15 minutes off the bench. I don't know what Brad Weber's situation is contractually going forward with the next few seasons, but if you're uh, Tahurirangi, you, you, you know, and you want to get that All Black jersey, you might be looking at whether you shift to yeah, get game time. That, that, that's really interesting, guys, because obviously Colin Cooper's the, the coach. He's coached yep. them at 
Taranaki, I, I would imagine. Yes. So you'd probably think he'd he'd have the inside, you know, he'd probably have the inside in terms of getting that number nine spot. But obviously this coaching staff have decided to to run with uh, with, with Weber. And to be fair to fit to fit Brad Weber, I think he's played, you know, reasonably well. Even through those times where the Chiefs were time. struggling, you, you couldn't really be too critical of his game. No, he's exactly no, he's, he's he's playing decently. Uh, and when you're in having a tough tough time Putting in a young decision maker is the last thing you want to be doing, really. So having him there, so it makes sense as to why he's there. Uh, but as you say, not the best, perhaps, preparation for the All Blacks. Into the fly halves, um, I think they're all getting plenty of game time. Uh, and and then the, then we're into the centres, where I, I'm not sure if there's anything. I think they're, they're all getting. They all. It feels like they're getting decent game time, perhaps apart from Ryan Crossy, who's obviously we know tends to get injured. No. No, Ryan Crotty's played well. See, here we go. So it's it's a it's a it's a interesting one because they've all played four games each. Um, so they haven't played the six games or five games, etc. That um, all the teams have played so far. So they've all played four games each. And Sonny Bills, obviously, he's only played fifty three minutes on average. And when you consider one of those games was pretty much eighty against the Sunwolves, so. Um, yeah, it's interesting. He's come off the bench, and that's probably impacted. That's 30 minutes, so that will bring average down. Ryan Crotty's actually been pretty high. Leonard Brown, 75, and uh, Ryan Crotty, 74. So um, that was when they're, when they're Williams playing, back, yeah. into the, back, back in after a long, a long injury, so I'm not really that concerned about yep. bringing him back personally. Um, no. And then I don't think there's anyone we're particularly worried about in the in the back three, either, either being overplayed or underplayed. Well, look, this, this is the thing with the... I, I, I think that this whole resting thing is that they, they, they it's not been I can't think of the right word but it's not a great plan it's not a great plan um, we've talked about the fact is that minutes on the field is how you get into form and the like you don't get into form sitting on the bench um, and you understand that workloads within the forwards is higher than workloads in the back so why the backs would have the same restrictions applied to them as the forwards is to my mind silly um, and, and you look at someone like a Rico that's now going to be rested when he's, he's, his form is just going through the roof. Um, and for a back, when you're in those positions, if you're on fire, you want to keep playing. So you stay on fire. You don't want to smolder on, you know, on the sidelines. You want to be on fire on the field. See what I did there. Um, okay. and I mean like, so yeah, and you, you've got someone like Waisaki Naholo, Again, I mean, not that he's going to get any chance of being rested, but um, he's someone after last week's game that definitely needs to be on that field trying to find his mojo. Um, so, yeah, I'm sort of like, look at his outside backs. Ben Smith, 80 minutes on average. Geordie Barrett, 80. But then they played five, four games sort of thing. So, yeah. No no, no huge workloads there for the outside backs, even though the minutes might, the average minutes might not show it. Cool. Um. Unless you've got anything else, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll mosey on down to the next uh, next topic. So the, the next one is uh, the the, um, the Nations Championship. So um, interesting move by Nigel Melville. Now, we've had someone here who has come out of the USA. I just want to give a, a, um, a bit of a, a background as to his legacy at the USA. So he came out, the, he was the CEO of USA Rugby. Um, and his, his, he left before these things finalised, but he set all these things up. Rim, 
um, went bankrupt uh, that he set up, which was supposed to take over the, the financial side of the uh, of the sport in the USA. And part of that was the rugby network losing a lot of money, and that got sold to Flow Rugby from from from, from so, sorry to Flow Sports, which is a streaming platform. For I think it was a, a dollar plus uh, to um, because of the uh, because of the losses, and so hence the a lot of the a lot of the American um, national team uh, coverage has to now go through Flow Flow Sport, which is definitely not an ESPN or or a um, or an ABC that you guys will have you've obviously heard of. Um, and then finally, the Pro Rugby. Uh, which was the uh, the professional rugby league that, that he agreed and sanctioned um, that lasted one season before it collapsed under the weight of, um, uh, well, uh, I believe there actually are legal issues going on between USA Rugby and Pro Rugby now. Um, but uh, there were reports of Pro Rugby not paying its bills, etc. So um, Nigel Melville left the uh, USA Rugby in, in a rather precarious um, situation and, and moved over to the RFU. Um, then, because of uh, the CEO leaving, he got put in as ad interim, and, it seems, and he's been probably the most vocal c- CEO I've heard uh, since uh, at the RFU, uh, and he's only ad interim. So he's clearly trying to trying to get himself this um, the, the the full time role, I would suggest. But uh, he's come out and said that the R- that uh, he's a no for the nation's championship, even though the RFU has put out an official statement saying later that no decision has been made, um, and he mentioned three things. One is player welfare um, in the July window, saying you might have to play Argentina, South Africa and Japan in, a, in, a, in, a, in three weekends. Um, I think that's one of the topics we kind of, one of the things we flagged up as being a potential issue in this is the travel in that July window, didn't we? Yes. Um, so, and then we sort of dismissed it. <laughs> and we thought... Because we, yeah, because it was like, well, hang on, it's no different to what the Southern Hemisphere teams have to do anyway. It's, it's and in fact, when you on average, on average, when you looked across the whole tournament, if it went ahead, um, the Northern Hemisphere teams would do less travel anyway. Um, and it's it's it is a um, it is it is three weekends on the trot rather than two, which is what you normally get in the rugby championship. Um, but it can be mitigated. At the time, I think we thought that Argentina it was going to be Argentina, the USA, and South Africa. Which, if you got the USA and Argentina involved, they're in the same the same time zone. So. There are time zones that you can manage it. And obviously, if you do have Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, or Australia, New Zealand, Japan, then the time zones you're crossing aren't too bad. So um, there, that I think there are ways to manage it. He mentions that relegation is for two years because every other year there is no relegation, either because of the Lions or the Rugby, Rugby World Cup, and that that would be disastrous. Now, there are parachute payments uh, being suggested. Uh, and look, um, he goes on, to, he starts by saying, oh, People aren't anti-promotion anti-releg- relegation. No one's anti- anti-promotion relegation on principle. Um, and then goes and says that this relegation idea is a bad idea. So, yeah, probably rubbish. Um, and uh, finally goes... Uh, You're there, a fan there of needs- his, eh? Pardon? You're a fan of his. Oh, absolutely. I think he's a great guy. <laughs> to be, okay, to be fair, as a person, I don't know him. I have no idea what he's like. As an administrator, I think he has some... Uh, there, are, there are some questionable issues around his decisions that he's made in the past. And uh, and some of the things he's currently saying, uh, and then viability of second tier tournament, and it's like, well, there is a second tier tournament. Georgia keeps winning it every year. It's there. It's happening. What do you mean? World Rugby has got to set these up and make these happen. It exists, you Wally. So yeah, yeah. A- uh, and, and and then the stupid comment that I just saw him make on the TV too, and it's hard to gauge it because it sound bites. But you know, oh well, we don't know whether the quality of the team coming up is as good as the quality of the team going down, and it's just like. 
That's is this what, what that world is this guy relegation get... playoff? Yes, <laughs> it's not straight. Yeah, he obviously went to the same school as Andy Andy Marinos. <laughs> from uh, from, uh, from Santa, Santa, we don't have a strategic plan. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's it's um <laughs> it's disappointing. He's coming out talking like this with comments. I mean, now look and. It, and... When when I when I yeah, when I when I see what he said on the news, it's that soundbite. So it's you know, he came across as a right Wally on TV with, with what he said on TV. But as I said, it's soundbites. But then with the background information that you've just given there, to me, it's like he's trying to do some horse trading here. He's trying to because you know one of the things he said on TV is is like, oh, we don't want to go to second division. I was like, so hang on, you're talking about England actually being relegated. <laughs> The second division and yeah. sending Twickenham broke because the stadium won't be able to sustain the cost. Well, I mean, what what planet is he on? So, yeah, look, taking that into consideration, taking into consideration what you've just said, he it's serious horse trading that he's trying to do. You know, you know, guys, there's a little bit of hypocrisy that that goes on. I don't. Know if Sorry, a little bit. Who, well, anybody who follows the the world, the under twenty rugby World Cup, will know that there's a promotion relegation whoever finishes bottom of the table basically goes into to second tier so if it's good for the 20s why isn't it so good for the senior teams yep yep absolutely uh, it's um yeah, then then needs to, to, to me whatever whatever structure we get post uh, from 2020 onwards uh, has to include a pathway that tier two nations know how they can become a tier one nation uh, and this is at the moment, as I say, this is the only this is the only suggestion that's out there that's that's, that's giving that. Um, and if we see if the Six Nations head down the the CVC uh, route, or the or, or uh, there are a couple of other um, investors they're looking at, then in all honesty, uh, that's going to be bad for rugby for the next fifty years. Um, which is probably about, which is going to be, let's be honest, as long as I care about rugby, because I'll be dead after that. But, um, mm. um, and that's really sad to be looking forward to it. It's going, saying, actually, this is that I can't see how rugby can progress properly if they go down that route, unfortunately. But to go on to a much more positive note um, is the women's game. The women's game is, is going bangbusters. Um, so have you heard about the USA Rugby uh, is going to host the Women's Rugby Super Series in San Diego ne- uh, this year? Well, yes. They're looking, they're looking for commentators? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> looking for commentators? <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> um, so, so one of the things we say about men's rugby is we don't really want the... We, we need to be opening it up to the lower groups and, uh, and exposing the top groups to the lower groups, the top teams to the lower teams. In the women's game, what we're really saying is we need those teams that are professional, that can get their players, that, that have the access to their players all the time to be playing more because they're not playing enough at the moment. Uh, if we look at um, the Black Ferns, uh, essentially they have two tests um, against the Wallaroos, who are also full-time now, uh, against, from, blood, from the Bledisloe games each year. And that's all they have guaranteed every year. They then they 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 sometimes be, um, manage to organise a November tour to go play. Uh, last year they played the USA and uh, uh, France twice, um, and England and Ireland also play in that window, uh, as do as do Canada. Um, but it's not it's not uh, guaranteed every year that that's going to happen. 
uh, and the the July the the, the, the June July window or the which which we see the Northern Hemisphere men's teams or the European men's teams go on tour. Uh, there isn't anything set in that zone in that in that in that window. So having this set in that window is fantastic. Uh, the fact that it's ring fenced the top five women's teams um, to me uh, at the moment isn't a problem because they just need more games. Uh, so this will involve uh, New Zealand, England, France, Canada, and the USA. So um, well. I guess my only concern is the is the, is is basically the, the time frame of this uh, is that for some reason we seem to have. Uh, player welfare seems to be a big thing in the men's game, um, but in the women's game, playing three games in a week is, is not a problem. Mm. <laughs> is it hypocrisy again? <laughs> oh, I, I, oh, I think we no, no, no. I, 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 it's like the under twenties play three games in a week. Um, I, I think that the level of contact, etc., is not the same as in the men's game. Sorry, I'm gonna say it. If you're gonna, Sorry, if you, if, I, yep. I, I, I disagree with you. Actually, I, I think that you say so you're think, gonna say you're gonna say that the impacts and the hits are just as big as the men's game. Well, it's it's relative. It, it, no, it's it, not. It's, it, no, no. I'll tell you what. It's relative. I'll tell you what. I saw a video yep. of a South African a South African schools game of uh, it was it was on on the uh, New Zealand Herald website, and it was yep. a schools game, and it was a. Looked like it was a, a player that was a good 20, 25 kgs heavier. Hit a player with a, initially, the initial contact was a legitimate tackle. But unfortunately, the force that he hit the kid with because of the weight difference, just basically flipped him on his, flipped him on his head and the kids ended up in hospital. Now, that's a, low, that, that's a lower level of rugby. I still think you can get big hits. I'm, I'm really passionate about this. I'm, we all sort of remember a few years ago when the... The youngster by the name of Jordan Kemp died playing club rugby up in Northam, and that came from a big hit. So I think it's I think you've got to put it in relative. Yeah, I agree. You've you've got big big bangers, but I think in in relative terms, you know, you can still get a decent head knock. Two females can still knock their heads pretty pretty hard in in, in context. Not, so I think. But we're not talking about head knocks, Steve. We're not talking about head knocks. Yeah. Head knocks happen in any game. Head knocks can happen in a ripper game, yeah. right? Head knocks can happen. It's, as you say, it's all relative. So head knocks are, are, are not um, the, the impact of a head knock does not differ from a, an under yeah. five ripper game yeah, to yeah. an all blacks game, right? The, the the force is the force in the head knock. What we're talking about here is the impact in the tackle. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about newtons, kilonewtons, impact force in a tackle, and that's what we're talking about. If we if we go with your argument and we say you are correct. In the under twenty should not be playing three games in a week. No, well, okay, so so but, okay, so the the, the, the tackle watch... that Stephen's talking about in uh, that's on the Herald site is absolutely disgusting. It, it's it's okay, uh, it, it's horrendous to watch. Relevant, um, I think that's no, 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 relevant. Slow down, guys. Um, but the, so that 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 uh, and um, uh, and I think um, the, the the problem for me there mainly is about bigging up big hits uh, and and glorifying. That that which which I think has been a problem with that one is is whether Jack Jack Berger has been glorifying that hit. Um, I think is be is 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 really sad. Um, but that's the exception hit. That's not the that that person. Whether they were playing once every week, once every month, that guy that person would be missing the next game full stop. 
that, so frequency yeah. of games doesn't really apply for that. I guess what frequency of games applies for is the amount of recovery and how tired you are. We know more injuries happen when yeah. players are more tired. Um, yes. So that's I guess that's where uh, the, the the concern comes in is is there enough recovery time in the and this applies to both under twenties and women's to be fair uh, to because uh, clearly what they're trying to do is they're trying to shoehorn a number of games in into in, into the, into the available window they've got um, and whilst it's happening currently I think it's perhaps something that we need to just look at going forward so I I, I, I wouldn't um, yeah I think tired players leads to injuries. We should. We need to be giving players proper proper recovery times. But then we're talking about. But then we're talking about reducing benches so that we can get um, the change of body shape on the field, so that we can actually um, get far um, more tired players. Because once you get tired players, then you get teams that don't just rely on. Uh, you know, we can break up defenses and all sorts of things come up. So you know, no, we're, well, no, we're no, talking no, about the difference here. Because no, what we're saying there is, we're telling them to change their body shapes. So they're not as tired. Yeah. So, to, so we're saying that a, they're, still going to have, they're still going to have physical fatigue. We're still talking about physical fatigue, and you're talking about physical fatigue leading to more injuries. Listen, I know having had a nephew in the the New Zealand twenties when they yep. played the round the round robin games, they if they played three games in a week, they made a lot of changes. They yep. made up to they made up to at least a dozen train changes, and some of their more senior guys they would actually put on the bench. So I think I. I think because yeah, yeah, but, with, but to be fair, Steve, with these twenties yep. World Cups, because there's a there's a time frame, I think they pretty much get squeezed in. Yeah, they get and squeezed it, in. But here's the thing, right? That that you you yeah, you said you had a nephew in the all all blacks under twenties or whatever they're referred to as. But you're talking about a team that's going to have good, yeah, quite even levels of um, capability across the squad. You within that under twenty squad. Let's say the Samoan team makes it into the under twenties because they say there is promotion. They're not going to have necessarily the playing levels even across the entire squad. So there is a squad that's going to push some of their better players to play more frequently, and you know that's going to happen. Crunch game comes up, and they want to carry on. They don't want to go into relegation. They're going to be pushing their team. So what's the difference? So what we're talking about here. It's consistent across it. So if we talk about if we talk about you can't play women's rugby, uh, you know, three games in a week, then at under twenty level, that same rule has to come in. Surely. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I, I played age group rugby with a, a guy who coined the phrase. It's better to give than receive. And let <laughs> yep. me give you the tip. One, one Michael Jones, even at even at twenty ones, nineteens level, he was the, the impact or the force that he hit guys with. You know. Was, was was just as lethal, and I'll tell you what, some some of the guys he hit, you almost needed a shovel to dig them out of the ground. It's so hard. <laughs> he was he was hitting guys, and you 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 still get big hits. That, listen, we'll we'll agree to, to disagree. I still love you too, by the way, brother. <laughs> <laughs> even, even, even though even though you know make, what you're talking about, you're gonna make, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> we're gonna have disagreements to make the show more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> all the time, but it's not going to work. Come on, come on, Paul. What are they saying on the board? What are your patrons saying? What are they saying on the board? Well, um, Chris, uh, uh, Christopher's saying that um, it depends on squad sizes. Uh, France play four games in twelve days, um, for example, uh, which is which I think they have the the hardest. Um, them and who has the last buy? Them in Canada, because they have a buy in the first round for France and the buy in the last round for Canada. Uh, they have the. Those those two squads have got the the, the, the most 
or got the hardest schedule uh, rather than having to buy halfway. Uh, so yeah, but squad sizes do 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 make a big difference. Um, more prudent, more prudent to this. We just talked about the lack of um, the the games in the female space. So why does it have to be so condensed? That, why, you know, it, it, yeah, no, exactly. Why, why why can't they actually play weekend to weekend? Uh, is that, is that, because they're, because they're trying to do it. They're trying to do it on the cheap guys. Yeah, well, that's it. That's it. And that's the issue. They don't want to. They want. They don't want to pay lengthy, lengthy, um, lengthy hotel bills. They don't want to yep. keep them in in a city Fill for an elongated period of time. Paul, I, I've got a question for you, and it's something I can't understand with regards to women's rugby. Why does the English rugby union play the women's game after the main game, as opposed to? A curtain raiser before the big game. Um, so they didn't do all, they didn't do that for every game. Uh, so they had one. I mean, one of the games was hosted down in uh, uh, at some Sandy Park, which is actually Chiefs' home get home ground. Um, for example, I think and they got a very good crowd down there. I think they got record crowd mm. for a uh, women's game in the UK. Um, not in France, obviously, because we we saw that was like sixteen thousand in November, which was very good. Uh, so they got about ten thousand or t- ten to twelve thousand crowd. Um, for, for that, um, why they play afterwards, I don't know. To be honest, because that so they did the Calcutta Cup game, and then they had the women's game after that, and the stadium was empty. Pretty much, yeah. But then again, I, I'm I'm these curtain raisers or these back to back games. To me, I'm not a, a, a yeah. big fan of because to expect someone to sit down for what is which is like for over four hours and to watch two yeah. games, which what what has to happen for two games back to back. Is an extremely big ask, to be honest. Um, so I mean, we've I'll seen that the, when we went to watch the uh, Wales versus Tonga, followed by the All Blacks versus uh, Fiji. I'll give you a better example. Give you a better example than that, mate. Okay. Last year, last year, um, the Black Ferns played the Wallaroos before the All Blacks playing the Wallabies at Eden Park. Okay. Now I take my kids to the game. Now, my son is—he'll sit there. He's—he's—he's he's diff- he's a different child. In terms of a seven-year-old child, he'll sit there and he'll watch two games back to gap, back to back. Sorry, but he's he's unique. He's very unique. My daughter is a much more um, average <laughs> child in that sense. And there's no way that she's going to sit through two games of rugby back to back. So if you want families to come along, it's not going to happen, right? Because the normal child is not going to sit there and watch two games of rugby back to back. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just a little bit old-fashioned. I, I think to myself, how cool is it when you're getting into the 60th, the 70th, towards the 80 minutes, and by the time that game concludes and the ladies look around, and all of a sudden they're, they're playing in front of close to a full house before kickoff. Didn't happen, Steve. Didn't right. happen. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. So in the in the in the black ferns wallow um whatever the uh, wallaby the Aussie females thing is called, Bruce, um the game ends now. The game ends like about an hour before the All Blacks game kicks off. So right. or, okay, so you haven't got a full stadium. You've got nowhere near a full stadium. You've got about twenty thousand people at most sitting in their seats, paying attention. So even though you've got people sitting in their seats, they're not paying attention. So they're talking to each other, and it's more of a social thing. So they're not focused in on. So you, to be honest, you'd probably have about fifteen thousand people focused in on the game. I, the to be to, the other the other point. I mean, they they could run them closer to each other, but that involves the men warming up on the B pitch, uh, and that's what they could they could do that. Which, I don't, which is what they should do, yeah, but, they don't, but they don't. But they don't. But they don't do that. They don't. They they 
they do, they 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 say no. We want to we want to warm up on the main pitch, uh, and but they, they they should warm up uh, on the back oval, uh, and let the uh, and then run the games much closer back to back, so that you you do get what you're talking about, Steve. The other option Ooh. is to take these games out to the provinces. I mean, I, I think it's a perfect game to take down to Taranaki, up to Fongaray, down to Rotorua, out to Invercargill, um, Napier, Napier, um, mm. Nelson. There's a stint. As a standalone game. As a standalone game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the I think the women are, are getting to the are at the level now, or, or that they that they would draw a very good crowd in these places where they don't get to see the All Blacks. This this is the top well, level. Um, well, well I, I'll take us just a slightly different. I think they just have to they have to test the waters to find out if that's going to be the case. Yeah, they have possibly. to test the waters. They, they they can't keep going because you know they they. Oh, look at the Black Ferns played in front of, like, you know, what Steve's perception was this big crowd at Eden Park. No, they didn't. They didn't at all. So you've well, got to well, test the waters. Well, I'll tell you what, I can remember I can remember one year we played the Australians and it was closer to the finish. And I remember being at Eden Park and there was still, the ground at least was half full. It was still a good crowd before kickoff. Mm. But that's when there was a, obviously, what Paul spoke about before the gap. The gap is so long, and I, one thing I do agree yep. with Paul: it is a long day when you're opening the gates. Say, for example, at three o'clock in the afternoon, and the kickoff isn't until seven thirty, and that curtain raiser, if it starts at three o'clock, well, well, of course, people who are going to watch that main game are going to truck in there to to watch the, watch the main game. Yeah, and yeah, so I think that the, the um, Black Ferns game started at. So the gates opened at. Here was the silly thing with that other with that scenario as well. They opened the gates at the same time the game started. <laughs> so the so the game started at five. The gates opened at five, and then, and then the game finished about six forty. You know, well, I'm, I'm I'm you know I'm I'm sort of I'm really quite I'm, it's sort of my way of giving something back to women's rugby because to be honest, in terms of numbers, it's the women's game at the moment that's giving the New Zealand Rugby Football Union the actual numbers or get, at least giving it some incremental growth. growth. And if you and if you kind of look at the big, bigger picture, a lot of these women will probably play through their careers, have children, get back in, and they will probably get back into coaching, which I think is a, a really good thing moving well, forward. Uh, I, I know it's I know it's to back up, really to back up relative. your point. To back up your point, the the interesting thing I've noticed with my daughter is that if she sees women on TV playing sport, She's all. She will turn her spin around and start watching it. I mean, she'll watch. She'll watch a little bit of cricket. She'll sit down with her dad to watch rugby. But I have noticed that you know she'll be playing or whatever, and all, she turns around as woman playing sport on TV, and she sort of takes an interest, which I found really interesting. Like one thing I, I one thing I do like about women's rugby, they haven't changed the dynamics of the field. Where you look at. You look at cricket. Oh my God! They bring the boundaries in so far. It looks like you could hit a boundary off 30 off 30 odd meters. That's how far they've. And I know that's a bit over the top, but they've changed the dynamics. And when I look at women's cricket, it just doesn't really have. You know, we talk about power and pace. Where I think women's, I think women's rugby is still evolving a heck of a lot. I mean, say I think back to that World Cup final, England. England um, versus the Black Black Ferns um, that was played in Ireland. That was it. Now was that at Ulster's home ground? Oh, Kings. Yep. Yep. Raven Kings, Hill. Yep. Kings. Um, you know, that was. Oh, sorry, Kings Kingspan Stadium. Uh, it's called now. Yes, it used yeah, to be called Raven yeah. Hill. Kingspan. You know that was that was a fantastic game of game of rugby, and it was uh, 
Uh, and I think what made it a, a, a great game of rugby, you had England basically shutting New Zealand down in the first half, and then you had the New Zealand girls who decided, gee, we've got to change our tactics. We can't just throw the ball wide and expect we're going to break these guys open. We've got to take them on physically. So when you do see two evenly matched games, that that, that was a damn good game of rugby. And, uh, you know, oh, you talk about the, your family. The, 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 one of the, the few level... times my wife's... The level, the level of women's rugby has, 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 has come on leaps and bounds. It's, it's, it's way, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, we've seen that in the sevens uh, and the fifteens is, is, is catching up. Now, the sevens was professional much quicker because of the Olympics. Uh, and the fifteens is getting there now. Uh, because, I mean, yeah. because now we have the US, we got the, sorry, the France, England and New Zealand are all professional sides. Uh, and actually, sorry, so, so is um, uh, Australia, but they've, they've got a long way to come, uh, unfortunately. Um, I, I was going to say, Paul, just, sorry, I have to butt in there. With that. The problem that you've got in um, New Zealand is that you've got the Black Ferns, who are obviously the top team or one of the top teams in women's rugby, and you're not getting that like the quality of game like we're talking about with that World Cup final in Ireland because we're playing – the only team we play over here is the um, Australian women's team. And at 15s level, they just aren't up to it. And so it's not really a great spectacle – either on TV or for the people that are turning up watching it at ground. So they but, but really need be, to get but, your England, islands and France over the, here to play. The, but the things you're, you're talking about there are, um, as you said, getting women's rugby on TV to encourage girls to, actually, to, 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 to realise mm. that it's not just boys who play sport. And so that's got to be the, that, that, that's, that's the next step we need to get happening. Because that's what will encourage the number of players that'll then okay, you so, got more players and it'll all cascade upwards. Yep, got got you there. But at the end of the day, who controls the remote control in the house? It's the adults, at, right? So yep. you've got a ten-year-old girl; she's not controlling the remote control in the house, right? So to get the adults in the house to watch the game, so it's on the screen, so the little girl sees it, you've got to have a quality game that people want to watch. You've got to do that. So you've got to market it to the people that are going to turn the TV on, go to the ground, take their daughters along. Or put it. And, and, and I don't disagree with you. The New Zealand rugby needs to be inviting these teams that, that are listed here, so Canada, England, France, um, perhaps Ireland as well, uh, to New Zealand's come and please come play us. Um, yeah, well, we... It's interesting, Paul. We actually thought maybe the next, the next cab off the wreck was going to be... France because I, that was a really good series that the Black Ferns pl pl played up in France. Well, we didn't lose the series; we drew the series because we uh, obviously yeah, won. We, we won the won the first test, but we could have lost. We we actually could have lost both of those tests. And if I recall, I think because of the performance of the French in the first test, it created so much interest. I think they almost had a, a full house for that for that for that second test. And all of a sudden, you think, oh well, maybe the France are the team to beat up in the. The women's six six nations, but from what I understand, Paul, even they got knocked over a couple of times. Yes, they the lost twice. So they lost to um, uh, they lost to England uh, and Italy. I think it was Italy finished second in the Six Nations this year. Um, so which was uh, which which was uh, well surprised me. Uh, yes, yeah, so Italy women beat French France women thirty one twelve in that. So yeah, I mean, as you say, we were expecting <coughs> big things from France in that um, Six Nations. But I say they lost to both England and Italy. It'll be interesting to see whether that was a, one of the things that, uh, listening to Red, White and Black Eye last year about the, the USA women's team was that you've got to, uh, well, one of the things to, to, to remember is that the, the women are a different place in the cycle than the men. 
uh, and they had their Rugby World Cup um, last year, was it? I think it was, um, or the year before. So they're going through the regeneration of their teams for the next Rugby World Cup. They're at the beginning of their World Cup cycle now. So what we might be seeing from France is introducing a lot of players in that Six Nations because they're growing and looking at growing their depth, etc., for the Rugby World Cup that's coming in two years' time. Um, so that's so I'm not sure if that was I, I don't know uh, I, I'll be honest I don't follow women's rugby closely enough to know what the sides were like that were selected during the Six Nations um, but that could be part of that as well um, as we want to talk about bolters as well before we finish I'll just very quickly run through the uh, so my point was yeah, they're, they're playing on a Friday the 28th of June um, then Tuesday the 2nd of July Saturday the 6th of July Wednesday the 10th of July and Sunday the 14th of July over there in San Diego. Um, so if you're in San Diego, go and catch one of those games. Um, there'll be two games in each of those days, obviously with teams having a bye um, as well. Uh, there should be some cracking rugby um, being played over there. So final topic. I was just looking at the uh, live on Flow Rugby. So that was the old uh, going back to um, Flow Sport Signing up, thingy, yeah. So obviously. unfortunately, it's all behind a paywall uh, in mm. the US, um, which is a shame. Um, regular feature of the week: Who's left this week? Nobody that I know. No one's. I think anyone's announced that they're heading off to Japan or Europe. So, um, so no All Blacks, and some, apparently some reassuring comments out of Brody Retallick about his post. Uh, but when I actually read what he said, I couldn't find anything that was reassuring. Uh, you don't think he even mentioned what he was doing post World Cup? But there you go. Um, all Blacks bolters then. So a couple of names that have been... So both the Stuff and New Zealand Herald have both produced articles about All Blacks bolters. So clearly we're at that stage of the season um, that it's that that's the, uh, that, that's the standard article that you put out. Um, and they both agree on one name there, um, which is one that you wanted to talk about earlier, um, Tom Robinson. Eh? How realistic is it Tom Robinson is going to get an All Black cap this year? Or even get a squad? I, I, I think he... I think it will be an All Black. It's a, it's sort of like a question of when, but it won't be. I, I, I personally don't think it will be this year. I think a lot of things will have to happen. Probably maybe people, people falling out of form. You know, there's a lot of investment that's gone into players like Hemapo, like Squire, people, people like that. Um, you know, probably going to depend on the makeup of their, their locks as, as well. Do they see somebody like Scott Barrett as firstly a lock who can play six? Or if you take somebody, if you take somebody like Barrett, it means you can take that extra lock. Patrick Tui Poloto, interesting enough, Ashwin alluded to me that, and I, I did, actually didn't notice this, but um, Sam Whitelock ended up in the sixth jersey. Now I don't know whether that was by hook or hook or crook against the Waratahs, whether there were, was injuries. But listen, it'd, it'd be one amazing story. First year Super Rugby, and you end up in a in a Rugby World Cup squad. Got a lot of talent, but I. Still think he's probably relying on guys falling out of form and injuries to make that squad. You're doing a bit of re- reverse psychology there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be a bit more positive. I'll be a bit more positive. I think he's got a, a better than he's got a better chance um, now, um, simply because of the fact that his form has been consistent, and then he's come up. In the last week against Hemapo, they, he came up against um, Frizzell. Um, and, and um, you know, and he arguably outperformed them 
um, in the game as well. So I, I wouldn't say he's gone ahead of them, but, you know, if he keeps going on this uh, trajectory and Frizzell and Himipo don't lift their game, because I think they do need to lift their game. Um, they haven't been the dominant force that they were last year within the Super and rug- Rugby mm-hmm. context. I think Robinson's got a better than... I mean, if we look at the other bolters that we sort of um, got on our list... Um, oh, oh, I think he's out of no, 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 no. You're not, 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 not letting you move on yet. Um, I'll oh, yeah. I haven't mentioned any names. I'm mentioning any names. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was, was, was going to throw in, didn't, wasn't Frizzell picked after two and a half Super Rugby games? Or, two, or, 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 or less? Less because it wasn't full games, but it wasn't yeah. World Cup. And I think, and, and I think what fast tracked them, Paul. We had a few injuries as well at the time. If I, if I recall, squad, a few guys went down. Is, is that correct? Oh, I can't remember to be honest. Uh, yeah, it was a shock anyway when he got picked. Let's be honest. Well, it was a shock. It was absolutely a shock. But I, I don't think, um, as I said, I, I, I think um, Robinson, as I said, is still behind the two. But you know, I. You know, he's, if he keeps playing like this, and the fact is that, let's remember, he's playing six, but I think, and Steve, you can correct me if I'm wrong, he played most of his Mitre 10 Cup rugby at lock. Yeah, a little, yeah, I, before he got injured, if you remember, he's really absolutely set the world on fire in the first three or four rounds, and then he picked up that injury and then came back probably far too soon towards the end of the season. But, you know, that's how much they... They rate him, but he has played. A, he has played a little bit at six, but not last year. It's probably in a in a previous season. But you got to remember, he's had a lot of issues with injuries. Now, but so well, the reason why I mentioned that is because um, they did an interview yesterday or the day before on Blue TV uh, with Tom Robinson, and a very small snippet part of it was the fact is that well, how's it fitting into six opposed to lock sort of thing? So uh, yeah. and he's talking about. He's talking about learning the lines of a, a six coming off the, you know, scrum, etc., sort of thing. So, the reality is, is that if he's actually, more, you know, a strong position is actually locked, yet he's performing out of the skin at six. I, I think it actually he's he's got a few more cards up his sleeve or yeah, points right. in the and I guess I guess no, one, of the, one of the things that we've been talking about is the fact that uh, if if the All Blacks go with three locks, which I think is crazy, um, then you could go with a Hemapo or in this or now. Tom Robinson as your six come lock to give you versatility in in the squad. I I, I can't see it. I can't see him getting anywhere near an All Black squad this season, to be honest. Um, but uh, but it, it's it's fun to uh, it's fun just to to stir the pot a little bit. Yeah. Besides, <laughs> we we need him for the Tanifa. Might attend. He doesn't want him going to no World Cup. No, 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 go World Cup. <laughs> it's we want you it's overrated. <laughs> World Cup, overrated. So, more stuff went, uh, went, went, went all in with one player. Um, uh, the New Zealand Herald decided to go for a list of players. Um, they chose um, Lau Mappi, which I think was a little bit harsh, because I don't, I don't see Lau Mappi as being a bolter. Um, no. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but Will Jordan. I guess Will Jordan someone has been getting a lot of plaudits through... Uh, the Mighty Ten Cup uh, and sort of the next big thing, um, but uh, with Ben Smith, uh, Jordy Barrett, uh, D Mac now moving back to fifteen, uh, perhaps uh, a year or two too early for him. Yeah, I, I I I think so. I probably even I probably even see somebody like Havili ahead of somebody like Will Jordan. You know the fact well, that think- he's. 
the fact that he's 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 been part of the All Black scene in the past, he's not let them down, and it's a case of the the devil, you know. I put him in the same camp as Robinson. He will be an All Black. It's just a question of when. Hey, um, do you think? Do you think? Um, sorry, because you mentioned Havili. Would you which which order would you rate a bridge and a Havili in terms of chances with the All Blacks? Yeah, sorry. I, I I think I'm very tempted to go to to to, to Havili. He's got you got to remember him really really good in the air. Can also at a at a pinch slot into a, a midfield position, and he's got a oh, really yeah, really good yep. got a, got a really really good kick. Yeah, good well. point. Kicks, good point. A midfield well. thing. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, it comes. It, it comes down to: Do you need? For, are you primarily looking for a fullback, or are you primarily looking for a winger? If you're looking for a winger, then it's Bridge. If you're looking for a fullback, then it's Savili. I think they're different, slightly different positions. Yep. But it, it'd be, I suppose, that it, you know, when you look at the, the thing there is, Paul, though, when you start to look at those positions, you've got your almost your match day 23, and then your Havili's are coming into you, filling up the squads and being having the versatility. Um, so, and that's where it comes to. So, you, you're right in terms of if you're looking for an out and out winger, then you're going for a bridge. But when you're starting to look at those positions, now you're looking at, hey, well, Havili can fill in at fullback, wing, or in the midfield. So, that's where I suppose he holds the cards. About to say, you've already got a Harvili in terms of Geordie Barrett as well, who's probably similar type of footballer, good in the air, yep. got a really big boot. Extra, extra thing he's got going from he can kick kick from long range mm. as well. Now, I think I also think Harvili does a bit of goal kicking as well. Yes. I've seen him do a bit of kicking for uh, the Mako. Tasman, Tasman, the Mako. So yep. um, yeah, so. Well, nice little string. We just seem to have a guy, a lot of guys who, um, you know, they got that utility tag, but it, <laughs> they love that, don't they? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I think these All Black selectors have shown that they, they they love guys with these versatility, but have got a good skill set out on the wing, can catch high balls, do the right things at the right time, and that's why it kind of that's why somebody like um, Waisaki Naholo, unless he he. To be a specialist winger, he's got to turn around his form big time. Big time, yep. Uh, interesting point that you raise. I, I think one of the first elements these days in the back three is handling the high ball. Absolutely. And and I think since uh, Corey Jane, I mean, he was probably one of the first sort of fullback come wingers uh, that was in there. That we, we, We've seen that, something that the All Blacks definitely want to have, uh, which is why it's a bit of a surprise that Naholo's done so well on the right wing. Because uh, every when you look oh. at him, Everything tells you left wing, not right wing, about him to me. Yeah, I think he's it's just. Um, you're right, but I, I think it's just the fact is that what he produces when he's out there in that position um, in the past, because this year he definitely hasn't. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just been an element of that, what he just brings to the oh, game. Fantastic player, absolutely. Um, but I'm just saying he, he. If you're looking yep. for your archetypal right wing for an All Black, he doesn't fit it. He fits the left wing yep. archetype, but he plays on the right wing, which is kind of interesting. Um, We've kind of out of time, so perhaps next week we'll touch on who we think our third choice um, or, or third slash fourth choice uh, fly half is. Now that Damien McKenzie's a fullback, uh, who, who's kind of the the next off the rank? Do we think? Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about the first five eights. I think next week. But um, boys, it is or oh, gentlemen, sorry, oh dear me, boys, gentlemen, what what what? Yeah, boys, other? I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that Steve? <laughs> uh, it has been a pleasure yet again. Um, thank you to Good Gok, who has said that uh, the three are great. 
um, YouTube rugby YouTubers, really smart rugby with sharing statistics with people. I won't be surprised if one of you end up getting the job with Sky Sports soon. Or New Zealand rugby. <laughs> well, hey, that'd be nice. But um, let's just wait and see. Um, so, uh, type of, yes, thank you, gents. Um, type of me to do the whole finger pointing thing. If you're watching the recording, uh, up there is how you subscribe to the channel. Down there is how you get to Patreon. And uh, uh, today I released my uh, opinion piece looking at the politics and the history behind the Sunwolves uh, and then getting cut. Uh, tomorrow I'm uh, releasing my look at the uh, Pro 14, that structure, which out of South Africa, New Zealand, Australia want it, like it, who is it good for. Um, and over there, the artificial intelligence here at, uh, our, uh, at YouTube says uh, that you'll absolutely adore those videos. So give them a look as well. If you've been in the live chat, thank you so much. It's great having you with us. Uh, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow night with uh, previewing all the Super Rugby games on the Driving Mall channel. Actually, sorry, I'm wrong. Down there's a link to the Driving Mall channel, not Patreon. Um, so head over there to get, um, I say, the preview of the Super Rugby for next week, for, tom for tomorrow, for this weekend. Oh, it's tongue tire. Ha, 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 ha.